Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yo, yo, welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers dropped their first game in over two weeks, first loss since January 28th against Detroit. Uh, they lost in Denver, 122 to 105, uh, bringing them to 21 and 7 and 12 and 3 on the road. But the story of this game, and this is what I'm going to focus on, I think. The game itself is secondary for the Lakers, and and really, you know, once this happened, uh, the, it's tough to take away much because, um, you know, the, it. I think it was a devastating blow for the Lakers, and, and it just kind of shifted, uh, you know, the, the rotation and, and and the way they're going to play and, and everything. But uh, Anthony Davis reaggravated his right Achilles tendinosis and exited the game with two minutes and thirty six seconds left. So he, he caught the ball on the elbow, uh, pivoted and, and faced up against Nikola Jokic, jab-stepped him a couple times, uh, drawing Jokic out. Uh, then he put the ball on the floor, took a step back. And, and on that step back, he collided with Jokic, uh, then continued to drive, uh, you know, drawing the foul on him. Uh, and on his last, you know, t- took a couple steps. And on his last step, uh, after the, the ref had blown the whistle, uh, Davis took his final step, and that's where, if you rewatch the video, um, you know he really grimaces on his face, and, and you could tell that final step, um, you know, really w- was what reaggravated the injury, and, and that's what Davis said post game uh, that that final step, you know, the, the last step was what he felt, you know, when he really felt the pain, and, and um, that it, you know, had, had kind of come back. Uh, so he, you know, kind of hopped over to the baseline and. Uh, was clearly in pain, made his two free throws, then exited the game after the Lakers intentionally fouled Denver. Uh, and he you know, gingerly walked off towards the locker room. You know, it was kind of limping and it just, it did not look good. Uh, you know, it, it, it didn't look like an Achilles tear necessarily, uh, but you you were wondering that, you know, I, I think everyone collectively was, was concerned and, and you know, just kind of confused on what had happened and, and kind of awaiting the results. So, uh, you know, he ended up having a right Achilles strain and did not return to the game. Uh, Kyle Kuzma started in his place in the second half. And I think now if you're the Lakers, uh, again, th- this loss is secondary. You know, at the time, the Lakers were down five, 60 to 55 when AD exited. From that point on, they, they lost the next, uh, you know, 20 six minutes by 12 points. And it was really a little bit more than that. Denver had a 20 point lead a couple of times uh, in the second half, but really it doesn't matter, you know, kind of the outcome of this game. You know, the, the big picture is Anthony Davis's health is paramount for the Lakers season. Uh, it, it's important for their seating. It's important for their postseason chances. Uh, An Achilles injury is not something you want to mess with. Uh, you know, as we've seen in recent years, um, and really just in NBA history, like that is 
arguably the worst injury, you know, if, if you do have a, a rupture or a tear uh, to, to come back from. And, you know, Kevin Durant has done it miraculously this season, but he did miss a full season. And, you know, that, that's just not something you, you want to risk or, or play with. And, um, you know, all, all the post-game comments from Frank Vogel and Anthony Davis suggest that the Lakers did not have any fear of him re-aggravating it. Uh, you know, that they were confident in his ability to manage the pain, play through it. And, and that, you know, AD said he actually felt great today, that today was the first time he didn't experience any pain, uh, you know, in the morning and in pregame and, and just going through his, uh, you know, exercises and, and kind of testing it out. Like he felt great, as good as he has felt since the injury happened. And that he was confident heading into the game. So I've seen some blame being thrown around on Twitter and I get it. I think that's the normal reaction, but I would trust the the Lakers medical staff enough that if they were seriously concerned with AD's health, they would not risk it uh, with a game against Memphis or a game against Denver. Like the Lakers are playing the long game, they've been saying that all season. You know, everything Frank Vogel has done and said suggests that. So for them to have a short-sighted decision of playing Anthony Davis when he could potentially worsen his Achilles uh, status, that just doesn't really compute to me. It just doesn't make sense. So I know that that's kind of the the knee-jerk reaction and, you know, fans are upset about it and, uh you know, it, it, like, I mean, I, I will say the one thing that I think doesn't make sense, and, and there's a little bit of a dichotomy in, in what he said on Friday and, and what he said post game, uh, you know, Sunday was just that Davis said that the one thing that could have improved his condition or, or could improve his condition rather uh, was resting and that he wasn't interested in resting. He didn't want to miss any games, he didn't want to miss any time. Uh, so, you know, but, but that he could play through it and it wasn't a big deal. And then that he clarified that it wasn't his actual tendon, but rather the area around it that was sore. Uh, so I think that's the only thing where, you know, if he's saying he, he said in the past on, on Friday that he could have rested to fully, you know, properly heal it and that he chose not to because he didn't want to miss any time. Like, you know, and maybe that's a player decision and, and you know, we'll see moving forward kind of what happens. Uh, so Davis is set for an MRI on Monday morning. So by the time actually you're listening to this, you know, his MRI might've already happened and we might know the the diagnosis officially it does seem like uh, just, you know, logically speaking, the Lakers have nine games left in, until the all-star break. Uh, it feels like the prudent decision would be to hold him out until then. Uh, of course it depends on the severity and if it basically is, the same level of, of pain and, um, you know, the, the same level of damage as I guess it was a few days ago before the Memphis game, uh, th- then maybe he just misses a few games and is back in like a week or so. Uh, but, but to me, and, and, you know, based on what Davis was saying, like, I, I just don't, I don't see the, the, the reason to risk it at all. And the, the Lakers need to play the long game. And this is not an, an easy stretch, uh, an easy stretch by any means coming up. Uh, I'll read the games quickly here. Uh, they got at Minnesota on Tuesday, winnable game versus Brooklyn on Thursday. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, Kevin Durant's missing the next two games at least. So there's a chance KD ends up missing that game, in which case, you know, it becomes a little bit of an easier game. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn w- without AD is going to be tough. You got Miami, Washington, 
Utah, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, Sacramento. Those are the nine games before the All-Star break. Really, like Minnesota and Washington are the only two easy games. You know, those are two of the worst three or four teams in the league. Aside from that, again, Brooklyn, Miami, Utah, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, Sacramento. You know, Brooklyn's tough. Miami's tough. Utah's has the best record in the league. Uh, Portland, you know, we'll, we'll see if some of their guys are back. Uh, they, they've been playing about 500 basketball, you know, despite being depleted. Golden State has been very up and down, but they already beat the Lakers with AD. Phoenix is surging and, and right there in that four or five mix. Uh, and then Sacramento has been a frisky team. So, you know, we're looking at a, a nine game stretch here where without AD, this could be a five and four or, or four and five stretch. Like, I, I don't think that's ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I think the Lakers margin for error with the way they've been playing lately, uh, even on this win streak, you know, a lot of that was, I mean, they, they beat OKC twice without AD, but, you know, do they beat Memphis without AD? Uh, do they beat Denver, the, you know, the first time without AD? Like, I, I don't. I don't know. So I'm. I think in the short term, the Lakers might take a hit. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you know, I think it's going to take a superhuman effort from LeBron, which we've seen him do, and he's capable of. And uh, who knows? Maybe Dennis and Kyle and KCP gets his shot back. And like the Lakers have the talent, and that's what Frank was saying post game. Like they have the talent to replicate AD's production. It's it's not going to be one guy. It's not going to be LeBron by himself. It's not going to be Kyle. Uh, though he did have a good game against Denver. Like, it's going to be a group effort, but I just think, you know, based on the way they have played these last couple of weeks, um, you know, I think, and then looking at the, the upcoming schedule, it is pretty tough. Now, that said, who knows? Maybe this is a rallying thing for the team. Uh, you know, maybe they will realize they can't just flip the switch in these games and, uh, you know, the, the margin for error is, is basically zero without AD. Uh, because he, he's a huge part of what they do on both ends. You know, defensively, obviously, he's uh, a defensive player of the year candidate. He's the captain of the defense. He's just, you know, the ultimate Swiss Army knife, rim protector, can defend on the perimeter, can, you know, great help defender, can do it all. Uh, and then offensively, you know, 1B to LeBron's 1A, and, and just uh, even with his struggles, it has been, you know, such an important uh, piece for them. And, and even in this game, I thought it was, it was having a really good game. You know, finished with 15 points, and uh, I thought it was looking like he was on pace for, you know, a 25 to 30 point game, and you know, kind of matching, not matching Nikola Jokic's overall game, but but at least kind of going, you know, uh, shot for shot for w- with him in, in the first half. So, uh, you know, definitely going to be a, a big blow for the Lakers in the short term, but. Again, everything is about the long term with this team. And even if they take a hit seeding wise, potentially, you know, dropping to two or or three or or four at the end of the season, that is better than not having an Anthony Davis or having a physically compromised version of Anthony Davis. So for the Lakers, everything is about the long term. And, you know, I, I just can't stress that enough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get into some questions here quickly. I... 
I'm only going to be taking AD related questions. Uh, so apologies for those who did not ask AD related questions, but I, I just think that's what's important right now. Uh, so this question from Kobe Gariani at Kobe GA81. Uh, how do you think the Lakers should handle the non-Braun, non-AD minutes for the next few games? Uh, well, that's, again, we don't know the the official timeline of, of how long AD is going to be out, but it, it, I I think it's going to be at, at least a week minimum, uh, but but possibly, if not probably, uh, the rest of the, the this first half of the season before the All-Star break. It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think... The Lakers have to be careful not to play LeBron too much and, and, you know, be like, okay, LeBron, you're playing 33, 34 minutes a night. Now we're going to bump you up to 36, 37 because of 80s absence. Like, you know, they can't do that. Uh, of course, I mean, I guess if they go to overtime again, you know, that, that's where some of that those extra minutes might uh, you know, happen. But I think for the most part, you, you got to keep LeBron's minutes the, the same. So I think you got to be really creative, um, you know, where I had the, sort of the the rule that you got to have uh, two of the six playmakers, uh, ball handler playmakers on the floor at all times, which were LeBron, AD, Marcus Gasol, Dennis Schroeder, THT, and, and Alex Caruso. Um, and, and that was in reference to the bench lineups and, and how um, that lineup of men was struggling so much because they only really had one ball handler playmaker, and that was LeBron. And everyone else in that group was basically spot up shooters, you know, cutters, uh, you know, guys who aren't really going to be uh, doing much offensively, and the burden really fell on LeBron. So I, I think now that rule still applies, but you, you also probably want I think two guys that I didn't mention in, in that group of six were Trez and Kuz, and I, I think those guys now become more valuable in that you probably want two of LeBron, Dennis, Kuz, Trez, or THT on the floor at all times. Because right now, those are the Lakers' five best scores. And losing AD, it's not just, you know, I think sometimes people focus too much on, like they'll focus on the players' numbers, but not the overall impact. And actually this season, AD has impacted the Lakers' offense more than their defense, which doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, like it, it, but the Lakers bench lineups have been very stingy defensively uh, and AD has, has played in some bad bench lineups that, that have bled points and, you know, the, the starting group has struggled at times. Uh, but, you know, like AD's impact offensively is not just his shots. It's not just his points. It's not just his field goal percentage. It's the attention he draws um, it's it's you know him as a role guy, as one of the most dangerous uh, gravity you know drawing role guys in the league. It's when he has a post up, that leads to uh, you know kickout passes, and those kickout passes you know maybe he gets a hockey assist on that possession, or maybe that kickout pass leads to a, you know triggers a rotation from the defense. You know that guy that he kicked the ball out to passes the ball to a guy in the corner, and, and that guy you know, drives to the rim and, and gets fouled or something like AD doesn't get credit for that, but that's because AD is on the floor drawing double teams, drawing a, a lot of defensive attention. Um, so uh, again, it's not just, you know, oh, AD is not scoring as much and he's not shooting the ball as well. And 
this and that. Like, you know, it, it's part of that, but but then it's also he just draws so much attention and, and opens so many things up offensively for the team. So I think that the Lakers now need two of those five guys on the floor at all times, preferably three. Uh, but but if, you know, I think at a minimum two, where you can't have a lineup of like Alex, Wes, KCP, Keith, and Trez, right? Like that, that group is just not good enough offensively. Uh, so I, I think, you know, guys that are going to have to step up, like, of course, LeBron, I think he is going to have to be, you know, his usage is going to have to go up. He's going to have to take more shots. He's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. Uh, but looking beyond him, which I think is the obvious one, it, it, you know, I think it's Kyle number one. Kyle is probably going to start, probably going to take AD's spot. Uh, and, and then I, I think he's going to uh, just assume more of a role offensively and, and be more that role that we've been accustomed to him being in over the last couple of years and, and kind of the role that he wanted, um, you know, the, the pre-AD role. I think number two after him, it's probably Trez. You know, I think Trez is now going to get more post-ups, more ISOs. The, the Lakers will involve him in more uh, pick and roll. Uh, number three, I think is probably Dennis. Uh, you know, Dennis is, I think, going to, you know, losing that pick and pop and, and pick and roll partner in AD. Uh, Dennis is probably going to look for his own shot even more in, in the pick and roll, uh, if not feeding Trez more. And then number four, I think, is THT, where you know, he's still kind of battling KCP, Wes, Kuz, Alex for minutes. So I don't know if his minutes are going to jump necessarily. Like I look at Kyle, Keith, and Trez as the three guys who are probably going to play more uh, with no AD. Uh, but I do think THT can now have a bigger role in the second unit. You know, there's a trickle-down effect with these things. So you know, the rotation is going to shift. Um, you know, we're not going to see those 80 led second unit minutes with, with Dennis uh, and Trez that we've become accustomed to. So th- there's going to be a trickle down effect. Uh, but I think to, to kind of get back to your question, the most important thing for me is keeping two of those top five scores on the floor at all times. So that's two of LeBron, Dennis, Kyle, Trez and THT. You need those guys, again, two of those five. And then you also need two of the five remaining ball handler playmakers, which is LeBron, Dennis, Mark, THT, and Alex. So it's going to be a little bit of a tough task for uh, for Frank Vogel to kind of get creative with the lineups and the rotation. I, I think you are going to see some things shift. Uh, but th- this also can make the Lakers better in the long run uh, of learning, you know, how to exist, uh, you know, offensively and defensively without AD. And I think even though the numbers don't, suggests that AD has had as much of an impact just in terms of on-off stuff with the Lakers defense. He obviously is their most impactful defender. Like, let's just not, like, that's one thing where I'll disagree with the numbers on for for sure. And I think them learning to have an identity without AD on the floor is very important. And we've seen it in some of those bench lineups where, you know, they're scrambling, they're active, they're aggressive, they're energetic. Uh, And you're you're probably going to have to see more of that um, you know, especially with that starting group not having AD now, uh, those, those slow starts might even be worse without AD. So uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I got a couple questions on this. Uh, this one from Freddie Jr. Lopez at Freddie Lopez J. If AD is going to be out for an extended period, should they look at signing another rim defending big since Keith Trez wouldn't be able to? Got a version of that from Aaron Lobhan asking about the back end of the rotation, Cook Dudley McKinney. 
Should they look to add somebody else? And I think there was one more. Yeah, from, this is from, is this Kane at LAL uh, Prime? Should Lakers look for a rim protector if AD is out for some time? I want to know the diagnosis first. If it's just the all-star break, I think the Lakers might be able to get by again with this kind of trickle down mindset or, you know, mentality. Like if Kuz is shifting to the four, like, you know, so you got to replace what, 32, 33 minutes for AD. Keefe is now all of a sudden back in the rotation. So, you know, you're keeping a 10 man rotation. Keefe steps in for AD. He's not going to play 32, 33 minutes, but he'll play 12 to 15 minutes, which leaves you with another 18 to 20 minutes or so. I think Kuz will play another, you know, six to eight. I think Trez will play another four to six. Uh, that right there is getting you in that like 10, 12 range. And then you get you get a few more minutes. And I, I think with Kuz especially shifting up, you get some extra minutes now for Wes or for THT. So the Lakers can piece together a rotation that is still really good, really deep. Obviously, there's a big now you know drop off from LeBron to whoever that second guy is, whether it's Dennis or, or Kuz or Alex or Trez or whoever you think the second guy is now, there is a, a much bigger drop off from LeBron to that guy versus LeBron to AD and then AD to that guy. But I think the, the rim protector thing, you probably give it a couple games. Like I think if the Lakers were going to sign that guy, they probably would have signed him. I mean, right now, the only guy that is available that would make any sense is Dwayne Dedman. And I think if the Lakers had interest in signing him and were you know going to, they would have, right? Like I don't see why why they wouldn't have already. With that being somewhat of a of a need of just having a third, you know, center. Like I mean, maybe Deadman wants I don't know a certain amount of playing time and, and doesn't want to be a third string center, so maybe he's not interested. Like I, I don't know, but from the Lakers side, I, I don't see any downside to adding a guy like Deadman. So I think Jerry Dudley is safe. I've written that. I've said that on this podcast. Like he's he's too important to the leadership on this team and, and sharing that burden with LeBron in 80, you know, I think objectively he's probably the worst of the the Cook, Dudley, McKinney uh, trio, but he he's so important for the locker room and just off the court that I think he's a safe guy. Um, then I think it comes down to, you know, like Cook was on last year's team and I think is another beloved guy in the locker room, you know, close with AD, cl- close with several guys in that locker room. Um, so, you know, do you kind of prioritize that and maintaining the good vibe and just another positive locker room guy? Or do you take a more upside guy? Because I think, you know, Quinn could help in certain instances, but I think Alfonso is a guy who, you know, might have a higher upside between the two as just a younger guy, a guy who fills more of a need on the wing as a potential, you know, defender and rebounder. So that's a tough one. I would guess the team probably waves McKinney uh, and and keeps Cook. But I, I, you know, I think waving Cook probably makes more sense. So, you know, and he's got the the non-guaranteed date coming up. So I'm not sure. Um, I think if a guy pops up on the buyout market that makes sense, the Lakers should add him. I thought that would be Dwayne Dedman. They obviously have not added him. So I'm going to guess... They're not going to add him, but you know, I think, I think if it's if it's bad and they start like zero and three, zero and four on this nine game stretch without AD, hypothetically, that's where maybe okay, maybe we give Deadman a flyer, 
maybe there's someone else from the G League or uh, you know, just someone else that we're not thinking of that the Lakers have identified that they think could help this team. But realistically, you know, aside from Deadman, I just don't see anyone else stepping in that could play, you know, I don't know, more than eight to 10 minutes. And even with Deadman, you already have Mark and Trez at the five. So like the five minutes haven't been the issue. It's, I think, really going to be at the four where AD has played a majority of his time. And I think with, with Kuz and Keefe and even LeBron maybe playing a little bit more at the four, again, kind of creating some more minutes for KCP, Wes, and THT, like you already got that covered. So, you know, if you think Deadman is a an upgrade over Trez or Mark, uh, which who knows, maybe he is, maybe he's worth a flyer, but I'm, I'm actually looking more at like the four spot and there's just not a clear guy out there. Uh, so unless something happens where there's a trade and a buyout in the next like week or two, I think the Lakers might just stand pat and just ride out, you know, with these 10 guys, let's see, uh, you know, what does Kuz step up and, 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 you know, live up and exceed his contract. You know, does LeBron take his game to a different level and then really differentiate and clarify that he is the MVP, uh, you know, with no other competition? Um, you know, does Dennis take a bigger role now that, you know, AD isn't there? Uh, does THT? you know, get more minutes. So I think there's different ways this can play out. Um, you know, I, I do, I get the appeal for a big, you know, I think if AD was out for, you know, the season or for months, I think that, you know, th- that's where you have that conversation of, okay, you know, we probably need to add another big. And even if we end up playing these weird, like Deadman Harrell lineups, um, you know, Deadman can space the floor. Uh, he could honestly potentially even play with Mark. Uh, depending on the opponent so like I, I think but again like Deadman is the one guy that makes sense but he's been out there and the Lakers haven't signed him so I don't I don't know if, if you know maybe there's something we're missing there but I just don't see why that would change um, even with AD out because again I think they need a, a four more than a five but um, you know stay tuned uh, again by the time you're listening to this the the diagnosis might already be out and this whole podcast might be uh, rendered irrelevant uh but but maybe it's still relevant you know if if it's not something that's super serious and he can continue to uh you know play through it and it's just a a resting you know sort of pain management thing and i think he's probably out a week or two or maybe just through the all-star break and then he comes back in early march uh so I, i think that's the most likely scenario but we will have official word sometime in the morning or early afternoon be out on the lookout for that. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, uh, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, The Athletic, wherever you're listening to it right now. Uh, be sure to rate and review and subscribe to The Athletic. If you've not done so, you can go to theathletic.com or you can do so off of one of my tweets from one of my stories. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. I will be back on Tuesday after the Timberwolves game. Talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.